today I would like to talk about misogi. This word usually translated as purification. Misogi is spoken of in most Japanese artistic disciplines, from martial arts to chanoryu, the tea ceremony, shodo, calligraphy, or even ikebana, flower arrangement. The most famous image is probably that of a Shinto ritual of takishuyo, the meditation under the waterfall, where practitioners stay as long as they can hold under a waterfall of ice-cold water. The combination of the cold and the shock on the head is an ordeal that can impress, or at least does not leave anyone indifferent. Misogi can also be practiced by performing exercises that push us beyond our apparent limits. This technique is found in many rituals. I remember, for example, many New Year's Eve celebrations with my Aikido school in Alameda, where we were on the mat on December 31st at 11.30 p.m. and practiced the Ikkyo movement, the most fundamental movement in Aikido. 108 times in Suwariwaza, the kneeling position. This way we passed the new year performing this ritual that required a certain motivation to overcome fatigue and pain. The real meaning of misogi is in fact to remove layers of flesh. A little bit like those donor kebabs where the cook comes to progressively slice a circular piece of meat stuck on a rotating axis. We also have to come to remove our own layers by the regular practice of exercises which will push us in our entrenchment. My Aikido master, Chiba-sensei, used to say, every class you have to lose something. This is a very powerful sentence because it can change the feeling of a practitioner. At the beginning, many people will start a discipline with the idea to learn to improve, to be or to have more at the end of the class than at the beginning. Therefore, telling oneself that in fact one must have less at the end than at the beginning can seem counterintuitive or even counterproductive. Therein lies the apparent paradox. Whether in music, dance, martial arts or other disciplines, a teacher will often tell you once you reach a certain level you have to forget your technique. That is to say, in fact, that you have to call upon different areas of your brain. When we are in a learning phase, we must obviously practice, practice and practice again so that the neuron connections are optimized. You reach eventually a level of mastery where the movements are done with ease and comfort. It's true. But then you have to go beyond that. An Aikidoka must at some point be able to do the techniques known as Takemusu Aiki, the divine techniques. That is to say, those which arrive in the instant, without preparation, without reflection. The right gesture comes out at the right moment. There, there is no longer a question of mastery, but of spontaneity, even creativity. I still have in mind the story of this samurai who was ambushed at the corner of a street. He suddenly finds himself facing an armed assailant, and there, by reflex, he does not take out his katana, the samurai's big sword, but instead his wakizashi, the small sword 
usually used only indoors and not in the streets. In fact, it was the right choice because his assailant was already so close that the big sword could not have been drawn properly. So this very unorthodox move, which no training manual would have recommended whatsoever, may have actually saved this person's life. Closer to home comes the example of Chelsea Sullenberger. Sully was the experienced pilot who chose to land his plane whose two engines had failed in the Hudson River near New York City, contrary to anything the manuals might have recommended. He used his intuition, a knowledge much more complex and complete than what his brain would normally have recorded. If he had not been the experienced pilot that he was, he would not have been able to save his 155 passengers by this extraordinary decision. If I take the case of dancers, of tango for example, what differentiates a very good tanguero from an excellent tanguero? It is that the second one has managed to go beyond the level of pure technique, to let express not the tango, but his tango, and here I put a capital T. This level begins after the last page of the manuals has been read, after the last lesson has been taken, after the last class is over. There, the dancer, just like the martial artist or the calligrapher, is left with himself. There, he will seek to develop a connection with something greater than himself. He will seek a connection beyond his own person. He will literally inhabit the spirit of tango. It is no longer him who dances. It is something greater than him. Some will speak of a state of grace. I simply prefer the word enthusiastic, whose etymology, enteos, in classical Greek, means inhabited by God. In those rare moments, it is. Those who have experienced this movement can testify that it is as if, in those moments, indeed, someone other than ourselves was in charge. I have experienced those moments a few times, in a few occasions. That feeling that a superior, imperious, and somewhat external force is dictating a behavior and pushing us to act almost in spite of ourselves. In those moments, there are no more layers to peel off. We are stripped naked. We have surrendered everything. We have surrendered all our defenses, our defiance, our doubts, our certainties too. There is nothing left in ourselves that stands in the way. We witness a dissolution of the ego in favor of a feeling of both serenity and immense confidence. These moments, for those who have experienced them, are truly transformative. There's a before and an after. And this is both the consequence and the goal of Musubi, the purification.